All right, so not very confident in his own abilities, race car driver. Published MB author? MBE. Uh, oh, yeah, MBE. Yeah. And, uh, and i got to say, quite the uh, restaurateur. Yes. Uh, Mr. Derek Bell. If you could describe this dinner we just had in one word, what would it be? Chaotic. That's actually fairly that's, accurate. That's accurate. Yeah, yeah that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I, thought we, I thought you were going to go on and on. No, I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> Just listen to the show is the answer. <laughs> no, I mean, in, in all honesty, you, you were brilliant, but you had so many questions, but they were so mixed up that I start to tell you a tale. Are and you I go, giving us a hard time? You're telling wow. us how to do Here's it? Here's what I would have done differently. Here, guys, if I no, had a podcast. I my podcast. No, I th let, it was great. Let me ask you this. How many other podcasts have you been on where you got, or how many other interviews have you done recently where you talked about the IROC race? None. That's right. Yeah, nobody knows about it, really. Well, yeah. not yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> And now for Dinner with Racers, presented by Continental Tire, with your hosts, Ryan Eversley and Sean Heckman. Placeholder radio Welcome to Dinner with Racers. Why are you I'm laughing? Because <laughs> you're pointing at me. I don't know what you mean. I'm Ryan Eversley. I'm Sean Heckman. Okay, so you can tell Sean's a little cranky because we're just wrapping up an 8,000-mile journey across. 20 states. 20 states. To bring you how many uh, free meals? Well, none of them were free because Continental Tire had to get the check. Right. So we went down to Boca Raton, Florida. And to uh, actually a really good Italian restaurant. Known as Les Sorelles. Les Sorelles. And uh, we met with uh, maybe um, a five-time Le Mans winner. I, I'm not even going to – this is say it, Derek Bell. Derek Like the coolest Bell. guy ever. I wanted to meet him for so long uh, and actually get to talk to him. And that's kind of the cool part about doing the show is that we really get to sit down with our heroes too and hear them make fun of other people. So it's been a lot of fun. So on a National Get Smart About Your Credit Day. Which you should do. Uh, we get to sit down with a guy that's won – Le Mans five times, he's been a factory driver for, for Porsche, factory driver for Ferrari, yeah. uh, probably most known for winning a ton, a ton of stuff in uh, in prototypes, uh, driven the 917, driven the uh, 962, the 956, I mean he's... Yeah, you name it, he did it. If you love horses, this is the guy. And we decided before we ever sat down that we wanted to take a different approach. Uh, Derek Bell is also probably one of the more media-friendly guys sure. out there. Mm -hmm. So there's actually a ton of interviews and videos and books out there on his Le Mans wins and his Porsche experience. So we, by choice, uh, decided to go a slightly different direction. And we do talk about, of course, Le Mans wins. Yeah. We really want to focus on stories that are not as known, which became kind of the impetus for, for our sit-down. Yeah, I think we kind of threw him a curveball because he was a little bit unsure about our direction with a lot of the questions. But he couldn't have been nicer and more open. And we talk about this all the time. While people say don't meet your heroes well it seems like every time we do we love them so so here are some of the unique things you're going to hear in this Derek Bell episode his own tale of ambulance drivers making things a lot worse uh he has a lot of confusion on how out of order we are he was a very close friend of none other than Mr. Steve McQueen and uh he also talks about having breakfast with Jim Clark and Graham Hill what yeah yeah Jim Clark Graham and Hill and Graham Hill yeah and uh and then a lot of other things like uh you know I rock. I rock. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously we can't do this without awesome sponsors and awesome sponsors like Acura and Continental are what's making this show happen and awesome listeners and fans that are buying those products. So thank you to both Continental Tire and Acura. Can you can you do that again with Continental? 
Thank you to both Continental Tire and Acura. You, okay, um, Sean in the booth over here. Uh, can you uh, can you say Go Continental ahead. again? Go ahead. I need you to say Continental again. Continental again. <sighs> Continental again. Fine. Meow. Just hey, Tony kidding. Stewart. <laughs> hey, Tony Stewart, thanks for driving. Hey, hey, guys, it's me, and I'm totally driving. Meow. All right, we're going to start in five, four, three, two. Did you I think it was over there? I just saw two guys sitting there. Yeah, we heard. Stuff yeah. hanging off. No, don't worry. <laughs> hanging off the, the back of the... It's not a bit late. It was a bit oh, interesting. Oh, you're, you're because, fine. Um, Wait, you're fine. it's 7 p.m. exactly. Good. And you're saying you're late. So are you are you the five minutes early guy? But if you're not five minutes early, you're late. Would you mind sitting in that yeah. chair right there for us? There you go. Thank you. So which one's which? I'm oh. Ryan. I race for Acura and Honda, yes. and I drove with Justin. Yes, that's once. right. Yes, yep. indeed. No. And this is and Sean. I, yeah, Sean. I'm Sean. Okay. Yeah, Great. So we're, we spoke. Well, I'm going to say cheers. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And, um, cheers, yeah. Cheers. Thanks for coming with us. Yep. No, no. Thank, thank you, you for thank you. pursuing it because I thought we would, this would end up sort of washing out into nothing. No, no, you're kind of a big deal. So we had something we really wanted to get in, to talk to you about. Yes. Um, I'm sure you're probably tired of hearing about it. Yeah. So so you and, and Jackie X have done a number of events together, yes. a lot of races, a lot of history together. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that you are tired of talking about the most famous race that you guys have ever done together. I rock at Talladega, nineteen eighty-four. <laughs> yeah. You got it. Absolutely. That must yeah. be it, right? Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. what an event. Yeah. You know. I, I'm. Oh, so something's on fire. It's all right. So it's the toast. Um, <laughs> no, it was. Um, it was. It was intriguing because you know I'd never done an. I'd done an oval as on that on Daytona and yeah. Montlhery and C and so and so. Right. And Talladega. No, not Talladega then either, of course. But I had done a couple of ovals, but on the infield. But yeah, never like. But a it's just a different technique, and yeah. it still is a different technique. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you've done it, Ryan, but it's just it's just different, and they. You know, I mean, it, it, you look at it and you go, but there's only four bloody corners. Surely I can get around those quickly. Right, right. right. But it's the angle of the banking and the speed at which you enter sure. and the fact that you, how you let it breathe. And I think majorly how much the team know about setting the car oh, up. right. Yeah. And because uh, I got in one car one day and I just flew, yeah. you know, and I'm going, well, I didn't do anything about that. I just went the same as I did before, but the car suited me or suited the track in sure. on that hour. Yeah. Because tracks vary by the hour. And was, was IROC a thing kind of like when you go to like a, Indoor go kart track, like you just don't know what car you're going to get today, and so. no, exactly. Well, no, yeah. well, what what basically what happened? It, it was fabulous setup. Yeah, and um, I, I I was really flattered. Everybody that was a European, I think basically a world champion or American champion right. in terms because you and invited. Jackie were the only sports car guys. The yeah, rest were then IndyCar Emerson and did it as yeah. well, yeah. and then uh, a few others. Yeah, um, and I think did Stucky do it? I don't think he ever did it. No, but anyway, you were on like row three. Uh, you all qualified Daryl Waltrip. Or, yeah, Daryl Waltrip, Kale Yarbrough, Benny Parsons, and Neil Bonnet in an IROC car. Oh, this is the last race. At, at Talladega. Oh, Talladega. Yes, yeah. So, so like, mm. if you, you're Sorry. doing well at Cleveland on a road course. Yeah, okay. okay but Talladega, that. that's not... No, that know, wasn't my idea of right. fun, really. But it was flat all the way, and I had a good car, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And Jackie Hicks was on the front row with Dale that's Earnhardt. You've heard of him. That's right, yeah. Right? yeah. We well, yeah. had a good car for about a lap. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, take us through <laughs> the race, because we watched the... Uh, the only thing you can find on YouTube is basically where you and Neil Bonnet had a difference of opinions on how Yeah, that, that was actually, that was on the very, that was on the warming up lap. That was coming round to the start. And I'll tell you what, okay. I'm just, sure, Talladega was penultimate race, yeah. correct? Well, let me take you through what I know. Yeah. I, I was in it. Sure. Yeah. Well, and we I can't ask Neil. No, so. no yeah. well, I might be wrong, but I think you'll yeah. find it's even written. Basically, um, they put on the penultimate race, they put you in the order 
the wrong way round in the championship. Okay. And I was yeah. two rows from the back. Yeah. And around me, I don't know who was next to me. I, I know Neil Bonnet was there. And, 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 and um, I don't know where, obviously Jackie was near the front, but it wasn't because he was ahead of me in the championship. I was ahead of him, but I was at the back. Right. It was Neil Bonnet and me. And um, what's the chap? He had a brother. He had a buddy, ba not Buddy Baker, the other Baker. Um, wasn't it? One of the Bakers. <coughs> anyway, there were four, obviously four in the back two rows. Yeah. And I was on the lower, lower side. And obviously, as we came around to start, uh, the right-hand right side started to go a bit yeah, quicker. Yeah, yeah. And I was itching to pull out. And the next thing, um, I'm I'm sort of going going through the air upside down <laughs> over the top of Neil Bonnet. And as far as I knew, I didn't pull in front of him. Sure. But he made a move to come down to where I, there was just we didn't we weren't very bright. And it was <laughs> I believe I'm right in saying. So it was the first lap. You guys had taken lap. the green and yeah. you hadn't even yeah. completed a That's whole right. lap yet. That's it's right. on yeah. YouTube. Because yeah. it's right. big speed. Yeah. I mean, it's big. It's one of the biggest hits I think I've ever seen. Yeah. And those yeah. cars were not safe back then. No, no, they weren't. Yeah. Yeah. So there's an in-car from uh, Neil Bonnet's Bonnet, car, yeah. Yeah. and the camera's on a swivel. Mm. And when it just happened, he's going his way, and you're going towards the wall. It swiv swivels in your direction, and you yeah. see the impact. Mm. And we watched it today, and it literally was like, oh, my God. Like, mm. that was a massive impact. And then you went across the track backwards. And like up and through the up, air, and up, he's going through that. Right. Yeah, that's right. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. But the funny, not funny thing, but surprising thing is like before the cars actually stopped, mm. you were climbing out of it. Like right. it's still sliding yeah. to a halt, and you're like out of it, probably because yeah. you're so pissed. Yeah. But yeah, like I was surprised to see you just get out and walk. That was so. I big. bet I got out. I got out and got in another car, didn't I? That I don't know. That we don't the, know. It's the, just the, yeah. One. Yeah. Yeah. I thought clip. it was that. Rick. I'm confusing two. Rick. I remember it vividly. I remember being next to Neil. Okay. And I remember the incident. Yeah. But one of them. Oh, the other, I'll take you back to the other one. It was the very, very first race, Michigan. And Jackie Ix had said to me, when we saw the grid, because you, you have one car for testing, you test in, but you test yeah. at any time of the day. So as I said, the track varies in conditions. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure the tires aren't changed each time a driver gets <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right, right. So anyway, and I was learning. There was a lot to learn. In a small way, there's a hell of a lot to learn. <laughs> yeah. And um, and I remember we go to, we, what would you would do, particularly for the first race, is you'd pull a number out of a hat, which is the number of the car you're going to have, mm -hmm. which you'd never driven, remember? Sure. So let's say it was number seven. And then you'd pull another number out, which is say your position on the grid. Thereafter, for the next three races, it was determined on where you were, how you finished, Okay. as I just said. So I'm on, so as it happened, I'm on the last row. And I, I said to Jackie X, I said, you jammy bastard. <laughs> Why is it, Jackie, whenever I'm with you, you're always in front of me? I mean, why couldn't you pull a tag for the back of the grid? Right, no, right. you pull the one for the front. And Emerson, look at it. I said, it's unreal. I mean, I've always never rated myself in the same sort of group as Jackie or Emerson. And I needed every bit of help I could get. <coughs> so Jackie says, don't you worry, he said, because Jackie had done it before. He said, uh, we'll be back with you in no time at all. And I thought, oh, yeah, I've heard that one mm -hmm, before. Mm -hmm. So off we go. And of course, we're troning around two lanes side by side, <laughs> right through the corners, you know. And the next thing, as I sort of look across, and there's a bloke, I went, oh, my God, he's got Fitty Paldi all over it. Yeah. So I carried on. I thought, okay, well, I'll run with Fitty, Emerson. That's not bad. Yeah. Next thing is I look up, and there's a, a white car, and it's got X on it. And I went, this is bloody diabolical. We can't have re-road races all at the back. I mean, I was prepared to learn a little bit because I'd never done a tow with 12 cars. Sure, yeah, yeah. Four cars. So I was just going to take my time. So I thought, I've got to do something about this. So I picked up and I started to go by. 
um, and I worked and I worked my way up, and I sort of came round, and like that after five more laps, I'm lying in the top four, or something like that anyway. And as I go into turn three, uh, into turn three, down in the bottom, because I always preferared it in the bottom because it was all rough. To right turn left. Farther away from that, yeah. <laughs> and as I turn in, I suddenly, as the car I'm getting inside, I look and it's got wall triple down the side, and I went, "Oh my goodness yeah, me!" Yeah, you know that, about the, yeah. that really wasn't clever. <laughs> <laughs> you're in for a hiding now. We, we'd all got on terribly well, but you know yeah. they're professional, and, and you're the you're the sports car guy. They're gonna yeah. screw with you. Yeah, yeah. and. Um, so that so anyway, I then and so I was going by. I thought, well, what the hell do I do? Because you, you can't back off because the back comes yeah, out if yeah. you back off. And if you keep going fast, it's going to push and go up high. But I couldn't m release my car. I was sort of tied in at the bottom yeah, by yeah, him. Yeah. So what the hell am I going to do? So, I, you know, because if I, as I say, if I'd hurried, I'd have pushed his nose out of joint. And if I'd backed, I'd have hit the tail into him. Sure. And you don't do that to Dale Earnhardt. Not on your sort of invitation, yeah, right? Run, yeah, you know. yeah. Any other so uh, anyway, I don't know quite what happened. Anyway, outcome was I spun. I okay. probably turned down and just spun, yeah. spun around, and of course uh, carried on. Okay. And mm. I still think I finished in the top five. I sort of <laughs> they, <laughs> they said if you spin, you've got to come in and we'll change tires. Okay. I mean, uh, I don't mind. I have a few knobbles on the tires. Yeah. Yeah. Around, so. <laughs> Could use some new ones. Yeah. So that yeah. was it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How is so like in the '80s for like sports car guys coming? In, how was a guy like Earnhardt with with guys like you? Oh, oh great. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think you've got to realize. Um, it's not quite like IndyCar. Yeah. It's not like Formula One. I mean, we all did a bit of that. But it's purely um, guys that wanted to have a good time. Yeah. And, I mean, they looked at our race as a spot of fun. I mean, it must have been a bit of a bore, really, I'm, I'm sure. Sure. I don't know how much, no matter what they got paid, but... It was the fact where they, they obviously had, it was a bit of extra TV and they, yeah. you know, they go off and do speedways. It saved them driving, flying 250 miles to a speedway. They yeah. could actually right. stay and do an, <laughs> do an <laughs> IROT race yeah. and get paid and have a bit of fun. And we all got on terribly well. I think they could play around with us if they wanted to. Yeah. Right. But um, they never did anything that was unpleasant. And I, I mean, you know, I remember somebody asked, um, um, what's his name? Uh, Wild Bill. Bill Elliott? Bill Elliott. Somebody else <laughs> said to Bill, say, Bill, what, how do you get on with Derek Bell? And he says, it'd be great, just great. I don't understand what he was saying. <laughs> you know, like that, so. yeah, yeah. But, we, but we all got on really well. Yeah. You know, yeah. And uh, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I have to say, I never felt that I knew what the hell I was doing. Yeah. I've never sat on the grid in my life as many times or at all ever outside of, of IROC and said, well, how am I going to run this one? Well, this good. Yeah. When it came to that last race. When I was on the second row of the grid, I think, or maybe second or something like that, but at the front, because they started in order of the championship mm -hmm. for the last race. I remember I sat there and I could see one car in front of me on either side and I could see the first turn. And usually you have a plan. Usually you know that you're quicker into turn one or you, you know, I just hadn't got a clue. <laughs> I mean, I remember going around going, and I don't even, can't remember where I finished. But Shoot. I did, I finished, I think, third one year in the championship, I think. But I mean, I always, I was never last anyway. Right, in the championship. But it good. was, but it was good fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we looked up actually championship-wise. You beat out like all the road racers. Yeah. Um, yeah. In one of your like, when it was like all the NASCAR guys that mm -hmm. were top. But mm -hmm. yeah. Like I think of any of the sort of open-wheel sports cars, like Gordon Johncock was the only guy who finished higher in the points. He was very much an oval guy. Yeah. From yeah. Tell so, yeah, yeah. But well, I must tell yeah. you, one thing that was quite funny was that I thought it was the very first race at Michigan, and wherever it was, I wherever we started. Um, I had this shunt and uh, I, I tell you what I swear it was to do with the the one you should really check on it but I swear it was I've always thought it was the one where I, we had the Neil Bonnet incident which I thought was before the checkered the, the flag had, was going green but we hadn't got it 
the front row got the green but anyway so we're still coming round and and I remember the car I climbed out of the car and I ran up to to the what was his coach Richter Les Richter and I said well, I want another car I want another car he said you crazy I said no get me another car so they ran me across and put me that's right and up comes the TV guys he said so what do you think of it out there Derek so I said well actually I thought I was out there with a load of gentlemen I said they're a load of bloody lunatics <laughs> and it, they had that saying on the t not yep. TV but on lots of quotes yeah, yeah. Right. even whenever I saw NASCAR drivers years later they yeah, quoted me I'm sure. good for you mate yeah. but, I, <laughs> but I did get in another car because we hadn't come onto a f we hadn't actually passed the flag to start the race oh. they allowed me to start again at the back well that was one of the races yeah, but okay. I thought it was the first That's one cool. but anyway don't worry <laughs> it's all good anyway. Yeah. So we're we're a little different from some of the things you may have done because we're not really like a career like let's go through because no, especially no, no. with you I feel like people know your resume. They, 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 yeah, they, you know, yeah, you and so like you when we spoke you had gone you were in the UK and then you're off to Germany and then you're just here like this time like you Rensport was a month ago you never stopped traveling do you? Cause well, no, I, I was going to say yes, I've just stopped. But, okay. Um, in fact. Um, I'm in Seattle next week. No, there you <laughs> <go>. <laughs> next weekend, and then also, when somebody on the on the Porsche Club there heard I was going, they said, "Oh, maybe Derek would come and give us a talk at Microsoft." So yeah, oh yeah, oh, I'm Microsoft. I've heard of. <laughs> yeah, so I'm doing that at the end of next. Something they booked months ago, and they're yeah. so organised, or see, they are, I'm sure. So I'm going to. It's only like it's a two night, three day, or three night thing. You know. Wow, it's a long way to go. Yeah, but they're dead. I've never seen anybody apparently so organised, and I'm saying just. It came up to me at Rensport, and I said, don't worry, I will be there. <laughs> if I'm going to... You know, I said, don't tell me what we're doing. You've written down what we're doing. Right. Because already from that one, I had to go from Rensport, which I was I did two races as well in the Lambert car. Yeah. From there, I got, you know, I went and had dinner yeah. at the Peterson Museum with Dr. Porsche, that with a whole load of people, that they, and went to another collection during that week, then flew back and went straight to Stuttgart for the Porsche Sound Night last Friday. Last Saturday. Yeah. yeah. It so was only last Saturday. It's wasn't pretty it? recent. Yeah. 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 Whew, bloody amazing. So that's all an amazing like it's, event. It's all speaking engagements, it's talks, it's Q&As. Yeah, it's, it's very varied. Yeah. Um, it's, it's strange, really. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's a strange thing. The word legend started in America. We don't use it much in England. I think yeah. they do now because we always follow the, the Americans. But <laughs> I remember when they started to call me legend. I said, Legends. I'm 42 years old. I'm not. I don't want to be a legend. I mean, now you're right. dying when you're a legend. <laughs> I I'm still, thought, still going. Know. Still going. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was in the <coughs> height of my sports car career. But we, you know, but and they used to call me a legend, and I didn't. But of course, I had been awarded a award from the Queen of mm -hmm. England. So, mm -hmm. and you know, I guess people MBE, yeah, and of yeah. course, everybody here, the commentators, used to call me Sir Derek. But I said, I'm not Sir. <laughs> That's you not know, what that yeah, means. Yeah, yeah, but you went to the Queen. I said, Yeah, I mean, you've been with Queens too, probably. But I said. <laughs> You know, it doesn't make it doesn't make you um, you know it doesn't make you a sir <laughs> or anybody does it? Actually, so, don't. What is an MBE versus like an OBE? Okay, uh, they're in a, no, not totally in order. Uh, you get knight of the knight of you know, and you become you get a knighthood, which right. is sir. Okay. That really is very high. One of the probably the top. Okay. And then with that, you get a CBE, which is next in line, but it's not quite the same strength. Okay. Then you have OBE. Okay. And then you have MBE. Okay. And there are various ones to the sides, but those are the main four or five. Okay. And what is MBE for? What's it? it actually, acronym? it's actually, um, uh, <laughs> I'll get it the right way around, member of the order of the British Empire. Okay. We say, my bloody effort. 
<laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Whereas OBE, we say, is other buggers' efforts. In other words, you're pushed up for it by other people, and okay. you get your, you, oh, I got an OBE, how nice. Yeah, right, what did I right. do? You yeah. know, when I got mine, I knew bloody well why. Yeah, why? Yeah, <laughs> right. right. I'm not that I expected ever to get one. It was a great, very flattering and all the rest yeah. of it. So we're going to try to help you out with something. Um, we, uh, we were kind of talking about questions, or thinking about questions to ask you, and then we, we discussed this. We're like, what's the question you're tired of getting? And then when you tell us, our listeners are going to hear it. And then the next time they see you at a speaking engagement, like, don't ask them that. So we're going to try to help you out. What's the yeah. question we can help people well, not ask? Well, actually, anymore? it's strange that generally they they, it, it, they, they get they usually it gets down to what was your favorite car, it's exactly what was your what best we race, it would be, yeah. what was your greatest race, which yeah. is impossible to say if yeah. there was such a thing as a great race. But but the funny the strange thing is I was so lucky that I say. Do you mean the most memorable race? Now that I enjoy talking about that because that was because I finished third at Le Mans with Justin in the yeah, McLaren, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. and we led for 16 hours yeah. all through the night with Andy Wallace, and it was bloody phenomenal in a car that should never have done it. Yeah. And even Gordon Murray today, if he sat there now, he'd say that was your race. He said yeah. it was just criminal that they should have that problem, which yeah. we sort of knew we were going to have if it dried out, which it did. But yeah. no, so I l enjoyed talking about that because it was with. My son, and I yeah, think that's pretty special. Cool. Not many yeah. people have stood there with their son on Father's Day. Sure. Yeah. And, and a Herod-sponsored English-built car with right. your son and a proper Englishman, Andy Wallace. Andy Wallace, yeah, exactly. That's the like coolest lineup. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't mind talking about it at all because it's very brief. You don't have to go into it. Some of them, I mean, there was one race which I think was my greatest, best race, my best drive at Le Mans. See, people say, what, yeah, probably getting back to your first question, what was your best Le Mans win? I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Because they're all, to me, a win's a win. We've had this from people about the Indy 500, yeah. and they're like, what's your favorite child? Yeah. You can't. They're all, no. you know, they love me for And so I yeah. could never tell you what my, but I can tell you what was my best race, and it wasn't the win. Yeah. It was actually, it was a second, and we lost, we came second by 26 seconds. Jackie and I going for our hat trick in 83. And every time we got in the lead, something went wrong. And uh, he got, first of all, he got, we we're on pole again, going for our hat trick, although we'd won in 75, then 81, 82, and now it was 83. And uh, we're on pole, and he gets punted off on the first, the end of Mulsanne. So, of course, he doesn't get going until the whole grid have gone by. You 50 car cars. Sure, yeah. Because you can't pull out into the traffic coming towards you. And uh, so he comes in the pitch, you know, with a damaged under tray. And uh, they... Um, you know, they sort of check it over as you would because you're still doing 235 miles an hour yeah. and you don't need anything falling off. Yeah, right. And we were both very safe like that. We, you know, we, we didn't make mistakes and we didn't go around bashing guardrails unless, well, we didn't, yeah. basically. And uh, so anyway, we, that, of course, we were a lap behind. And of course, in those days, there was a fuel consumption True. rule. Yeah. And so we kept to this rule. We, we kept to our readout. And in the middle of the steering wheel, I bore you intensely again, but in the middle of the steering wheel, there was a link like a matchbox lid. I mean, it was that big, yeah. but big, smaller than a postcard. Okay. And it was on the little bit in the middle of the wheel. And across the top, it had 11, 12, 13. Okay. And down the side, it had 1 to 13 on the middle of the wheel. And then on the right-hand side, there was a digital readout that big. And that told you your actual fuel consumption. Sure. And, of course, you wouldn't remember because you're far too young, but we were very restricted on how much You guys weren't allowed to burn a certain amount of fuel. No, well, yeah. it's not like they are today, too, but it's in a different way. Yeah, and WEC does this. And, and, yeah. and we had to make our own decisions. They didn't damn well know what was happening in sure. the pit, you know, unlike today. And uh, Jackie and I became very good at it. Mm -hmm. And, of course, I think what made it better, there were two of us, and that's when I think the two drivers format, although it was very tiring and we had to change eventually, 
uh, when they became more physical was the fact that just two drivers you could somehow you got a balance and you might you're probably going to say well how did you and X get on well that was part of it we just had everything we did was was equal parity we never hit people we always did similar times you know those that we we just were good together I don't know why we should have that because I'd never really driven with him much before and um, so anyways you went down Mulzahn straight you had to take a readout so on the, let's say lap one as you went down Mulzahn it would read halfway down Mulzahn straight it would say let's say you know 4.3 the next lap you came around, it would be seven liters later. I'm not saying it was, but it was something like sure, that. Sure, sure. So exactly. the next lap, it should say 11 liters as you get to a certain point yeah. on yeah. Mulzahn straight. Yeah. At the same time, you had to look at your digital readout. You're <laughs> only doing 230 at the time. <laughs> okay, just only, yeah, look at the Easy. readout and, yeah. and do all that. So yeah. it became very difficult. And yeah. then you had to decide were you going to go for 11 laps on a tank, which meant you're going quickly or, or yeah, burning fuel, but yeah. you meant you would or you're going to do 13 or go 12. So we always went, nearly always went 12. But the reason was that if you went 11 or you chose to go 12, it meant you had at least another pit stop. Yeah. So you're backing more, it up to save that extra time. Or more than the other yeah. car. Yeah. yeah. So pit stops four minutes. So right. you had to pick a, a mean. Yeah. Anyway, so we drove our pants off and that was something that was really quite difficult in those cars. And we and we had three problems with the car. I got, I got in the lead, overtook Vern Schupen and in the other works car at quarter to six in the morning having not used any more fuel than they did but made up a lap yeah so we've done pretty well all right messi only eight miles well it, <laughs> but it's fairly quick eight miles yeah and we made it up without burning more fuel than they had overtook him and i turned into mulzahn the engine stopped just as i turned in so i pulled over by the marshalling bay and they can't give you any help but they can talk to you yeah so of course i leap out of the car i'm always my best at six o'clock in the morning Me probably too. like you <laughs> and i lift up the whole back of the car and it, it's a, you know it's a long tail yeah so i literally pull the, the whole so I pull body it piece back off yeah and i let it rest on the rear tires and i watched them do it at this sound night the other night and i'm going blimey that is a big bit of body and they had four blokes lifting it you know so anyway i stepped up into the engine and i knew i'd listened at the driver our personal driver's mechanics meeting as it were changed the sensor on the flywheel i changed the coil and i did something as on another area and i can't remember what the hell it was and i changed the ecu and then I went round, turned the key, and it started. And then I had to lift, and I left it going, dum, dum, dum. and I, let, I picked it up, and I just ran forward with it, because the front was on the wheel. Wow. And I just went, I don't believe it. You know. <laughs> Put the pins in and drove back. Yeah. And then we, wow. so we'd lost time there, but I'd just taken the lead, but we'd lost it. And then we got going again, and it came to the last hour, and we had no brakes, and Jackie wanted to change. I went, I sort of hid in the truck. I thought, well, they won't find me. I, for the first time ever, <laughs> I'm going to be a real bastard and not turn up. I've had right. enough of this one. Right, yeah, right. Because yeah. we just won two, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At this point, we'd won three, but two in a row. Yeah. And I'm going, you know, if you're not going to win, what's the point of finishing, really? Right, you know, right. A bit blase. Right. So anyway, there's a knock on the door, and they said, hey, Bell, you're, you know, you're on in, Mr. X is coming in his seven minutes. Oh. <laughs> so I dragged myself out to the, and I got there, Norbert Singer got me against a set of tires, and he said, we're going to have to change the brakes. I said, what do you mean? He said, we're going to have to change the discs. I said, God, I said, how long is that going to take? He said, it's going to take four minutes, which is a lap. And I went, oh, blimey, Norbert. I said, how far back are we? He said, we're a lap behind. So I said, what else can we do? I said, if, I don't, if you don't do it, he said, you'll just have to go slow. I'll go slower. And I won't use the brakes. So as the car comes in, up it goes. I'm in the car. Jackie goes around the front. I see him there going to the mechanic. No, you can't put the wheels back on. You've got to change right, the, right. the needs. And yeah, they're like, calling. I said, get him out of the way. So then that, and next thing is, off I go up the road. Anyway, two laps later, I start to look at the times. 
and I'm obviously I'm not using the brakes. I am. You got to 230 miles. Right, but, but I was different. taking it easy as I went down there. Yeah. And I'm so, I thought, do you know something? If I actually, and I'm not an engineer or mechanic, and I'm probably totally incorrect, but it does mechanics grin when I tell the story. As I went down there, I'd heat the discs up with my left foot. So when I got there, I hoped that the disc would have expanded ah, right. and glued yeah. itself together, yeah. welded itself together, sure. or whatever it was. And um, because Fitzpatrick had had one explode earlier in the race, so I was a bit wary of that. Anyway, I did that, and I started to catch up, started to catch up, started to catch up, yeah. quicker and quicker and quicker. And in fact, broke the lap record twice in the last hour. With, and with we no went brakes. And we, wait, 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 brakes. we went, but that just shows, I mean, it's adrenaline is the most yeah. incredible well, thing. Brakes just slow you down. Yeah. You don't need them. No, I yeah. don't. Anyway, that was it. So that was the, <coughs> my hardest, toughest drive. Right. Uh, but m m most memorable. Most memorable. Just, yeah. But like the victories, it's really tough to say, which was, yeah. I mean, the first one was fun because it was the first one. Yeah, right. You know? Right. That's amazing. Do you consider yourself retired? Because I would argue you're absolutely not in terms of driving. <laughs> because, like, one Google or YouTube search and all of the videos that I could find of you driving, I'd say 70% of them were taken in the last three years. Yeah, and yeah. it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, uh, you know, it's fantastic. Um, I started to talk about it, and inevitably went up, the word legend came up. Yeah. And I was trying to, I don't, you know, I mean, I don't justify the word legend personally, but <laughs> we're going to argue. <laughs> well, yeah, that's respectfully. Well, we've declared it so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, anyway, it's very kind, but I mean, I feel eventually, if you're good at it, you stay in there long enough, but it just seems that in the last five years, people really. Have, have, have noticed you, me or my career. Yeah. Before. And I don't know why it is because there's still the same careers out there. Well, I there's, would there's still a Bob Wallace. Yeah. And there's, bless his heart, he's not here, but there's still the careers there. Yeah. But because I've gone, kept on doing things, I sort of come out of sort of a, a bit of a, I don't, I, you, I'd rather you told me what it was, but yeah. I've got better known far more in the last five years. And well, I'd also argue that there's been, in the last five to ten years, there's been a massive, just in the automotive market as a whole, a massive push towards historic and heritage cars than there ever used to be. And within that, there's Porsche, which is a whole other culture. And also Porsche, sorry, but Porsche is starting to do a lot more PR. Yeah, they're yeah. starting I mean, to yeah. I was saying to somebody in Porsche last weekend, I mean, the bloke from the museum came up to me. He said, oh, I'm so pleased to meet you, because the whole thing, sound night, was done by the museum. And uh, they had 3,000 people watching. We're in the we were in the in the arena. It's called Porsche Arena. Yeah. And and the head of the museum came. Oh, it's so good to meet you. He said, I've spent so long reading about you. You know. Yeah. And he go, oh, thank you very much. And the the strangest thing is, I've, Porsche have never realised what I actually inverted commas the successes I had with Porsche. They weren't aware. I won more races in the Group C era than anybody else. But then it was 43, and, and Stuck 137, wow. and Al Holbert. And that's gr no, Group C and IMSA like, and that, yeah. in that era. Anyway, but I was more than anybody, about, about three or four or five. And I never knew that. You know, it was just in a race. And as far as I was concerned, Stucky won that race over there. And, but, you know, Jochen uh, Mass won one over there. I mean, right. I never went around counting until suddenly one day says an Americans love statistics and they go, mm -hmm. did you see what, you know, and you go, bloody hell. You know. <laughs> when we met with uh, Rick Mears, we were really surprised to learn that he didn't find himself to be anything special. And he kind of talked about himself very much in the sense but, of the... Uh, yeah, but I don't think any of us did. I mean, I honestly, I didn't. I was, I mean, it's, 
It's so funny. I feel like I'm going up and down with all this conversation. We're going up one year, back 30 years. No, that's, 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 that's how we do it. We're, we're very Hi, different from most people. How are you doing? Hi there. Hey, Sean. Sean. Nice to meet you. Ryan. 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 Nice to meet Misty. you. You all right? Yeah. Okay. Because I read a quote from you, an interview you did about, uh, I think it was kind of, I think it was talking about Steve McQueen, and the question was something like, how uh, how good was Steve? And you said, well, he was, he was really good. You said that... Uh, I think it was Seppi that was your that was yeah. one in one of the cars. You like, well, of course he was amazing, but yeah. I didn't I didn't know how good I was. No. And, and at this point, you're a Ferrari factory driver, and you're in a movie, you know, for yeah. being for being such. And I thought that was interesting. At the highest level of sports car racing at the time, you're kind of like, I didn't know. Yeah, but I hadn't sat in a sport. That was my first. I'd just done two races. That being, I'd done Spa, then Le Mans for Ferrari, and there I was making the movie. And um, because we weren't g going flat out all the time. You know what I mean? We weren't doing competitive. We were going bloody quick. But it wasn't competitive, so I had no idea how quick I was. I mean, little knowing that Sifford was going to be my teammate the next year. Um, but, I mean, you know, I, I, was, I, I learned all the time. But I honestly had no idea that... I mean, I think he came... I mean, I'll go, I was just before Misty came, I was about to say going back a bit. But um, I remember sitting on the grid of my first Grand Prix, okay? I mean, I'd been four years I'd, since I started, and I'm on the grid in the Italian Grand Prix, and I'm in a works Ferrari on the front row's Chris Amon, next to the two, or next to at least one of the Hondas with Richie Ginther or John Surtees. Second row, but there were three cars. Second row was Jackie X, and I'm not sure who. Third row was Denny Halm, Jackie Stewart, and Derek Bell. And behind me, there were another 18 cars, if not more. Dan Gurney. Uh, Rodriguez, Jock and Rint, and you name it, all behind. And honestly, I was just pissed off because I wasn't quicker. Yeah. And uh, I'm just, I'm going, in your first F1 race. race. In my first F1 race. Yeah. Yeah. But I've thought of it a lot lately, or somebody brought it up. <coughs> and I went, yeah, I suppose I should have been. I shouldn't have been disappointed, should I? To sit on the third row. If I'd gone on the third row today. You'd be stoked. You'd yeah. be bloody, you'd yeah, be yeah, stoked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'd yeah. be made for life nearly. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. You'd be here. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I mean, <laughs> those sort of things, um, I sort of, it brings it home to you. But I was, I was ups disappointed in myself. Mm -hmm. And I remember a journalist from Motoring News, Mike T, who was the actual publisher, I think, of Motoring News. He came up to me over the weekend, uh, who, who never used to talk to me. He was a bit of an arrogant <laughs> A journalist? Yeah, oh. no. <laughs> well, he, owned the, he owned the damn magazine. And he came up to me after, or during the weekend, he said, do you know something? He said, you're really rather good, aren't you? And I went, oh, man, alive. But for him to say something yeah. like that yeah. was pretty special. Yeah. So, uh, but it still didn't stick. I mean, it's still, because then you have the great, the great... Yeah, exactly. The, the yeah. Great, you've had this. Mm -hmm. great, if you haven't, you will. Yeah, no, I have. The great ride where you yeah. go up, you, you think come you're down, hero and, and then you're not. And, yeah. you know, and then we come into the 70, you know, we get the Ferrari drives and then the Porsche 917. So the first race, you were with Joe Sifford in the yeah. best team in the world, win the first race in Buenos Aires. Yeah. Then you had seconds and thirds during the year and some, you know, yeah. some amazingly quick laps mm -hmm. at different tracks. 246 at Le Mans, you know, that sort of thing. And it never sort of bothered me, the speed, nothing phased me out. But everybody was doing it. It wasn't just me. Sure. You know, when you think about it, it probably was only four of us. Yeah, no, it wasn't it, everybody. It wasn't yeah. everybody. Yeah. But you Every little boy wanted to be yeah, here. Yeah. And, uh, and then the <coughs> 70s, it went downhill. And then I go, yeah, but the seven, I nearly retired in 79. I mean, I really was going to retire. But then I reflect on the 70s. I hope you're not going to print all this, but it's to give you an idea of the sort of the, what we go through. But 
in the 70s, you know, in and out of Formula One. What a shambles, you know, Ferrari, you know, from the Ferrari thing to Surtees to finishing sixth United States Grand Prix at Watkins Glen, and that sort of thing was fantastic. And then, of course, I drove the 917. So, woo, you're driving with the best team in the world. And and then, of course, the next weekend you're driving a shitbox of a Mirage. Yeah, right, right. You know, and then you're driving a Surtees, and then the next year another Surtees for two Grand Prix, and you can't, you can't even qualify. I crashed trying to qualify, and I, I remember. I remember um, Jochen Mass said to me, God, Derek, he said, when we crashed trying to get on the grid of 36 cars in a Formula 1, it must be a sh car. Having been on pole at the beginning, or he, they were on the front row in South Africa in the 30s. You know, so, I mean, it's just bloody ridiculous. But your career's going down and down and down. But the great thing was, at in that middle period of the 70s, I was driving a Mirage one weekend and g getting on pole at Watkins Glen, on pole at Spa. But at Glen, I mean, the Glen, I, put, I know I'm blowing my own trumpet, but I'm just, I have to tell you, but at the Glen, I put my car on pole, I put the training car next to me on the front row, Mario was in the second team car behind me, yeah. on the third, yeah. second row, on his home track. Right, right. So I must have been driving well. Yeah, you might have been okay. Somehow yeah. you had to get your head around the fact. Right. And, um, and then the next weekend I go and drive a Formula One, I couldn't qualify. Right. Excuse right. my French, you can cut me out. <coughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you know that that was that was bloody difficult. And then '75, we go and win the we go and win the uh, world championship with the Alfa Romeo with with, right. with the with the T33, mm -hmm. and I won Le Mans. And you go, and then but then and then, <laughs> and then two years later you drive for Renault for two years, lead one year, didn't finish. The next year you didn't finish either, yeah. driving the Jaguar. And then you go, do you know I'm not earning any money? This is a joke. You can't survive on one race a year. Le Mans. Right. Right. And right. Porsche only wanted you for one because the only race they did. Sure. So I was going to quit. And then something happens, out, some freakish thing happens. Somebody says, I want you to drive with me in something. And you go, no, you don't want to drive that rubbish. Just drive this. And then next thing is you're getting picked up back by Porsche. And it all starts again. I mean, it's astonishing. Sorry, boy. Boring, isn't it, sweetheart? She's heard it. But, um, but it, it's, it's, isn't it it's unbelievable the way your career goes up and down. Yeah. So well, but in your own brain, you're getting beaten by yourself. There's something really interesting that, I, that I'm hearing in this. So even in the 70s, you're jumping from weekend to weekend. It's sports car race this weekend. It's F1 race the next weekend. Yeah. And you're still not making money doing this. Oh, yeah, not at all, no. Because I, I heard your first F1 offer was like for like five pounds a weekend or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that, yeah the very near. No. Yeah. Ferrari paid 500 for a Grand Prix and 250 for Formula 2. Okay. But my, my offer from Cooper's was we'll give you, let's say, let's say a retainer of five pounds. <laughs> Wow. For a whole year, makes a lot. Right, and what a but, bucket of junk it was. But a Le Mans winner, even in the late seventies, you were not making money jumping from series to series to series. It was literally your. But there's no races. There's no cars out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, I mean, when they came in, like Renault, they signed me up. Right. You know, I mean, yeah. I had two years with Renault. It was fantastic. Did you ever complain that soccer players were making money and no. you weren't? Weird. <laughs> okay. But I don't think they were either. Yeah. Fair. So I, I learned something about you I didn't know before that you were in the in the F2 race at Hockenheim Ring when Jimmy Clark got yeah. killed. Yeah, hmm, that's right. I mean, you had breakfast with him that morning, didn't you? I had dinner, I had tea with him. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. He was an amazing guy. Because you'd never met him prior to that weekend, is that right? No. And I so met I met Graham somewhere. Yeah. If you remember with Bricks, we have an annual dinner every year, and so yeah, you know the British racing dog or whatever it was. I think I was even a member then. I hadn't done anything. Um, but once you got in a Formula One, you're kind of invited. Anyway, <laughs> once you get to the pinnacle of the sport, yeah, yeah. So, so you no, know, I went to I went to Hockenheim. It was, I think it was my second race in Formula Two, and um, went back to it was piddling with rain. I was with my stepfather. And we had one mechanic, and me and my dad, my stepfather, 
And Jimmy was there driving for Ron, uh, Ron Harris, Team Lotus, something like that, in Formula 2 cars. And they were 250 horsepower things. And it was Hockenheim in the pouring rain. And I went back to the hotel with my stepfather. Mechanic was going to work on the car at the track. And uh, we get back to the hotel. It's bloody freezing March 18th, 17th, something like that. Bloody cold. And uh, in this lovely little hotel, a looks off at spare, but soulless, but had a, had a nice, reasonable atmosphere. And then the next thing is in walks Graham and Jimmy. And there's just me and my old man having a... Oh, hello. You know, so what do you say? Being a fancy hotel, we would walk by each other in the foyer, but there was nobody. It was just us. Now, and are you still kind of a wide-eyed kid? Like, oh, That's my Jim oh, my, oh, yeah, my yeah. God. Oh, my God, yeah. I was with Graham. I mean, anybody that was... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, and so, it, so they come in and... We, they said, oh, what are you doing? We said, we're having a cup of tea. Come, why aren't you coming? Oh, well, let's go. So they came in and we chatted for an hour. It was fantastic. I mean, I'm, I mean, literally. You, I mean, you know, it's unheard of. I just was in awe. Maybe there's something wrong with me, but I think everybody would have been the same. Yeah, it's, it's, and, it's um, why we made our podcast. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> you understand. So we could have dinner with Derek Bell. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but... And um, so we sat there and chatted, chatted, chatted. And then, so, uh, you know, we obviously, the rate, so we looked at him, he said, so how, how did you go in practice? I said, oh, I was, I, I was fourth. What, what the hell happened to you then? You know, like, you know, the first time we thought about cars. He said, oh, I was seventh. I went, you were? He said, Graham was eighth. I said, oh, okay. I won't say another word then. So, yes, I <laughs> so, so uh, I said, you know, well, uh, that, I said, oh my God, so. So uh, they said, um, so Jimmy said, when you come up, to, I said, why? I said, why is that? He said, those damn firestones just are useless in the rain. And we're on the Gs or Dunlops. And of course, they're on Firestone because of the contract with Firestone through Lotus. And uh, so, so then, uh, um, he, so he then says to me, oh, that's right. So Jimmy said, look, so when you come up to lap me tomorrow, he said, don't get too close because my engine's misfiring. Okay, so I went, whoa, you know, I thought this is my world champion hero telling me to watch out when I come up to lap him. So that was it. So we didn't really say anymore. And then something about how you get into the track in the morning. And, you know, I said, the old man, my stepfather said, well, I'm going with, I'll go in with George in the truck. And so I, so Jimmy said, well, come with us, Derek, have breakfast and come in with us. So I went, so in the morning I met them and uh, there was Graham Mee. Uh, and we had, and jumped in the car and we drove together to the track and then they got out of the car at my truck I got out of my truck and never saw him again and I've got this amazing picture of the grid and you, you should try and find it it's on the internet and it's it, it came to, came through this year somehow there's a picture on, uh, you, you wouldn't you guess you wouldn't know it was me unless it prints it but uh, but on in the front so it's taken diagonally across the grid so we've got pole man here facing here and that was a guy called Kurt Ahrens and then next to him, then, but diagonally behind him on the second row was me. I'm on the second row. And then, so I was fourth. And then next, um, diagonally behind me is Jimmy. And it's quite uncanny because he's looking the same way that I am at the, at the start, but we're not about to start. And the grandstands are full, 80,000 people or whatever they got in Hockenheim. And that was the last time I saw him. Was, and he's quite emotional when you think of that, that I never saw him again after that because I drove away and he went off. But he didn't go off while I was in the race, thank God. I'm, I had a clutch problem and stopped sometime early on, and then he you know, had his accident. But he was, 
of all the things that happened to him, you know, they make excuses and to what it was, but nobody's ever really come up with really what it was. But I think it's the misfiring. That you needed to hold the throttle at that part of Hockenheim. Yeah, and it was going so when to. you have that cut out, it, yeah, it just Exactly. Locked. So yeah. what you, you, you tell me, you're driving around a f flat out, you could go two abreast with good tyres. He might have only been one. But we were going two just in the dry, it's easy. On this kink, suddenly the, what happened? The engine cuts out. What happens? The back kicks because the weight's back there, you know. And only a little car, too. So the back goes, and he corrects it, being the greatest driver in the world at that time. And while he's correcting it, the engine picks up again. Off he goes. Uh, and uh, when I, and for, for years, and ever since then, um, I've seen Binky, Beaky Sims. He worked for, for Ferrari here, with Risi. And I, to, I mean, I see him a lot. And uh, I talked with him one day at Daytona uh, in the paddock. And I said, hey, Beaky, let's have a coffee. Hello, Dell, yeah, let's have a coffee. So, you know, do you remember the day Jimmy, we chatted? And then I said, do you remember the day Jimmy died? He said, yeah. Of course I do. So I said, what do you think happened? He said, it was the tyres, wasn't it? So I said, was it, Beaky? Do you really think it was the tyres? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. But I said, he told me he had a misfire. Oh, that's right, he did. And um, so we never really got into it. However, a year or two ago, I bumped into him again. So uh, la la, go, yeah, I'm going back to the Jimmy Clark thing, to, you know, to the Jimmy's home for his celebration of his life and that. And so I said, all right, yeah. He said, God, there's loads of people who are asking all these questions. I said, so what do you think happened again, Biggie? And he said, don't know. So I went into it about the misfire. He said, yeah. I said, did, but did you have another? Because he was at the hotel working on that car at six in the morning, driving it up and down the road outside the hotel race car. So I said to him, I said, I said what? he said, oh, yeah, we had a metering unit problem. Now, what's a fucking metering unit do? It feeds fuel into the engine. And he said to me, we had a metering unit problem, didn't we? But that was 20 years later, 30 years later. And it's never, I don't necessarily want it printed, but I don't want it to say, I said so. But, you know, there was more to it than tyres. Because in my opinion, if you, you just think you're in a, you'd come out of a right-hand turn out of the stadium, slippery as hell, in a single-seater. A tyre doesn't suddenly deflate. Jim, there was no curves to hit. There wouldn't have got a puncture. And in the rain, it wouldn't, you'd have a job to puncture because the wheels are spinning rather than gripping anyway. And I don't think, you know, Jimmy Clark, if he'd felt the back sliding and the curve coming out the stadium, he'd have gone slower. But the fact was, it was all right coming out the stadium because nobody said he was sliding all over the road. I mean, he was seventh, for God's sake. He wasn't 27. And next thing is, he's off the road. Anyway, but he, he was my hero, yeah. Yeah. Legend has it, uh, Colin Chapman then asked you to come test one of the turbine cars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, again, another one of those situations. So three weeks later... Remember, it was 1968, so, and I just had some, you know, I just, reflecting a bit, I'd had 12, eight wins in Formula 3 the year before, blah, 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 blah. So I was obviously, you know, I was showing that I had a bit of talent, I suppose. We had to go up to F2, so we went up to F2. First race, I think, was Barcelona. The second race was Hockenheim. And um, after the incident, I think I then went to Thruxton and had a good race and finished second or third to Jackie Stewart and Jean-Pierre Beltoise, something like that. And um, I then got a call from uh, a guy called Tom Clapham, and he had a B16 Chevron, a pretty little car, bloody wonderful handling car, sort of car you need to drive just sure. to say, that's a nice car, that's what <laughs> cars should be like. You the know? first race car I ever got to go in was with Brian Redman, it was a Chevron B21. Well, there you are, similar yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> they built great cars. Yeah. So anyway, <clears throat> so he said, he said, would you come and um, uh, he said, would you drive for me at the Nurburgring? And I thought, oh, how phenomenal, because <laughs> I wanted to drive, learn the Nurburgring in a little two-liter sports car. I didn't want to go there in a Ferrari or a 962 or a, no, not 962, but, but you know, anything yes. fancy. I wanted to quietly, surreptitiously learn 175 or <laughs> how many, 180 corners, right. or whatever it was then, and the old track. So anyway, cut a long story short. I've got to tell you the story as quickly as I can. So we, so um, we, uh, so I was at Silverstone to test about three, two weeks before the Nurburgring. So uh, I'm, and I'm up on the, in those days you could walk along the top of the pits just you know one floor up or you could walk along see who was underneath working and there was the STP Lotus so I'm standing there dressed in like we are now you know and, 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 and Colin Chapman sort of looking around Graham's in the pits and Colin looks up and he looks again he said in front of all these people he says you're going well this year and I went oh God has spoken you know and I go, oh my lord that was just unbelievable right. and so um I went, oh, thank you much, very much, Mr. Chapman. Anyway, he carries on, and then t- five minutes, he comes back. He said, come down here. So I went back down, and he said, um, so he said, uh, he said uh, have you ever driven automatic? So I said, I said, no. He said, well, take my Jaguar, take it up and down the road, take it out on the road somewhere and give it a drive. So I thought, if I go very fast, some other cunning bugger's going to come along and say, I can drive an automatic, Mr. Chapman, and, and I'll be out. So I went up and down the runway twice, came back, see, I can drive it, Mr. Chapman, no problem, you know. Just give me the wheels. So I sat in the car, literally had my helmet on and everything. I don't think anybody took a picture. I thought I had one picture, but I can't find it, of me sitting in it. And um, I had to, they said, we can't let you out because Graham's going around and there were no marshals at the track in those days. If there were, there were no radios. So they could, if somebody stopped, of course, there's no noise. The only sound of a turbine was a slight whoosh. And you could hear the calip- you could hear the calipers or the discs being hit by the calipers. Clonk, they break from the corner right where we were standing. So we can't let you out because we don't know where Graham is if he stops or either of you. So it's okay. So, so that was that. So I sat in the car. Then they come up after like 15 minutes and say, sorry, Graham's ki- you've got to get out. Graham's taking this over the, the uh, gearbox. Transmission's gone. So I never drove it. And of course, my expense went and got killed in it. Um, and then at the same time, of course, then I had the call from Ferrari, from Ferrari, and then I had the call from Cooper, and also had John Wire on to me to drive the GT40, all in that year. Okay. You yeah. know, and, and, and I still didn't really realize that wasn't I, wasn't I lucky? <laughs> well, I, knew, I knew I was lucky, but it was like, why is this? I was going to say, you have like two different Formula One cars, Colin. You're the greatest sports car team in the world at yeah. the time, and you just tested for Colin Chapman, and you were still kind of like, I don't think I'm that good. Am I good? No, I know. <laughs> So it's crazy very, to it's me. Very, it's very weird, I know. But, yeah. but I mean, I think it's better to be like that. I, I mean, oh, absolutely. I was like that. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and so, that was, so that was that. But I must tell you a story. If you, can we, we got two or three minutes. We've got all the time in the world for you. As yeah. long as time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. So, no, so we, go to, we go to the Nürburgring. Remember, I'd never been there. And I mean, if you've never been to the ring and you've never I've driven been. there, or yeah. if you've been there, that's one thing. But yeah. to go there to drive right. first time is pretty bloody frightening. Yeah. And those pits... The, pa- the paddock down below that's like a quadrangle with all the black the four wa- four lockups lockups all the way around with it all black you, you could be you feel like you're in bloody you know in one of the concentration camps yeah, right. it's, it's horrible yeah and then you g- and they say fara lager fara lager you know t- training one and then you sort of have to drive out and go up this hill and go anyway <laughs> so 
I'm waiting and waiting and anyway the, the car the car is it does turn up in time so I'm waiting to have my drive but they put this other guy in to drive it first whose name will come to me in a minute I never ever saw him again but so he 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 had driven there before and uh, was very good in little Lotus 23 small sports cars which of course the Chevron is very is like a later version of that and Rodney I'm saying Rodney Bloor is that right Rod Bloor anyway doesn't matter and so he's so he, he he's we go up and what you do at the Nürburgring is you'd go round the short circuit around the pits almost like the pits where they are now let's say but just a loop okay. about a kilometer okay sure. round you go around come in you know you could even bear the brakes and yeah. come in change something go out okay fill up with whatever it was you didn't have to go on the foot you yeah, weren't do the whole crazy thing yeah because yeah, you could stop out there in 14 miles yeah right so and then eventually they'd say okay you know the driver would say i'm ready to go now so he'd come he'd do a short lap come round and as he came round instead of coming into the pits he would go by and he put his hand in the air and they'd click a watch and off he'd go and you know some 10 minutes later he'd turn up so I'm waiting there and waiting and waiting and this guy never turned up and um, it wasn't Rodney Blorn I think of it a minute and he just never ever turned up uh, and so and this is really good you know I and mean, I was really there to learn the track but I wasn't paying anything for it. I guess he was giving me 50 quid I don't know so but he was really the opportunity to learn the track at somebody else's expense and he, anyway to cut a long story short later on in the day we sort of remember the practice goes on for four hours because it's so long a track and so eventually he um we say anybody's seen you know the chevron b16 and somebody says yes we did see it it's parked down at adenauer bridge on, on the right there oh great thanks so that was it so anyways car still doesn't appear and at the end and the car yeah car's fine looks great so okay so anyway practice finishes and of course to pick up cars from around you know 14 miles takes quite a while <laughs> right. anyway then, then suddenly into the paddock into this lower paddock comes this this low loader and on its the back is a complete wreck of a chevron yeah the front smashed the back smashed <laughs> and and so we said but we heard that he had had a misfire or an engine stopped yeah yeah well the engine did stop we said christ you know well yeah after you anyway <laughs> i'm just standing back listening to all this hearing these two yorkshiremen have a go at each other yeah and uh, so, so, we, so then the story comes out. This the guy, the kid park. He's not, he's not that young. I mean, he was in his thirties, and he parks it when the engine stops at Adenauer Bridge, where you can get down off there onto the main road. So a well-meaning German lean comes up and he says, "I, t you come behind me. I tell you." So they go down, push it down, because he had been looking in the engine compartment trying to fix it. The engine's at the back, you know, comes up like that. So they go down, put the tow hitch on, and this German, of course, gets on the straight on the road. To come back the same direction that we go in the race cars and of course he's going along in his mercedes and of course he's dead straight and he's going faster and faster and faster and of course this poor mate of mine sit, sitting on the bloody tow rope behind and suddenly it was a massive crash bang he had forgotten to fasten the rear body so this is going on the air suddenly oh, picks up right. the body stands up like an aerofoil oh. you know and of course, immediately he goes, oh my God, looks in the mirror. Oh no. The Mercedes driver looks in the mirror and puts the brakes on and he hits the mirror. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. Yeah. So I never saw the team or him or the yeah. car again. Oh. And I never saw the driver yet. He was quite, he had been quite well known. Yeah. Anyway, better known for that then. So that was that. So that was. How to tow a race car 101. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. But you got to learn the track. <laughs> yeah. We couldn't sit down with you without asking you 
Steve McQueen stuff. Yes, you know, he's like he's a hero, he's a legend. Yes, and all the all the people you got to spend time with him. You guys got to be friends off the track quite a bit. Um, I, I read a story about you guys when you weren't filming. You took the nine elevens that they had given the the film for just whatever, and you built like a little mini racetrack around the campgrounds. Well, it wasn't nobody built it. Um, but the, the I mean, like you put cones up and just started. <laughs> 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 there, were, there was the, it was. Excuse me, it's called Solar Village, Solar, which is Steve's production company. And it was like a German compound. There was buildings across there here, all temporary, wooden, dark brown, looked very nice. And the middle was all, you know, was, was, was gravel, but it was hard packed. And sort of, you know, so it was, it was like a, not concrete, but it was very firm, packed down. And what was the guy's name? It was a German guy, was all the commandant. And his name was Freulich, Herbert Freulich. I mean, he couldn't have been more German. He was, he was just like a commandant. And, and so he called it, you know, Freulich's sort of, you know, little, little prison. Anyway, one Saturday, there was me and Richard Atwood and Steve. And we got in these nine. Of course, most people had gone home or weren't there for the weekend. Because invariably, Lamar was doing something on the track anyway the weekend. And I remember we just literally sort of came in one corner around the back of the block office building in the next one. But across one end was the food tent. Okay. And I remember we used to go flying into the food tent and the flat would go up <laughs> as we went through. And they'd go out the other side. Oh, my God. And we left it like it, like a, you know, there'd been a, a scram, a motocross yeah. event on. Yeah. And on the Monday morning, I remember we turned up. I turned, well, I remember I, I wasn't. Steve turned up his own way. But and Froelich was absolutely bloody livid because his beautiful, pristine, you know, sort of, you know, gr you know, what you call it, parade ground. Yeah, right. Absolutely murdered. Just destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some poor gaffer just trying to eat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. The tent's destroyed. <laughs> yeah, everything. Exactly. Yeah, right. But, the, but yeah. The, probably the best story of that little, I mean, there were so many stories. But I think the best story of Steve and yours truly was I'd never really ridden a motocross bike before. And, you know, he'd done the great escape and all yeah. that sort of thing. And we had bikes to ride around. And Steve had a Husky, I'd say a Husky 400. And I was on a, a 250, something or other. And so, again, it was a weekend. And most weekends I was racing or I went back to England. I'd rented a house. Because this, this shoot is going on for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, right? Well, it, it, was, it, it seems like it went on for years. But it actually, <laughs> it went on from two weeks after Le Mans. Because they had to wait for Le Mans to get cleared up and then move in. So it was like two weeks to three weeks after the month. So it was the beginning of July, and we finished in October. Oh, not, wow. Yeah, yeah, that's a long time. It's quite a okay. long time. Yeah, yeah. So and I might be wrong. It might be the end of September, but it was around But that. months, yeah. yeah. And um, Steve, you know, he st obviously stayed there the whole time. But, but um, on one particular situation, it was a weekend. So I was, wasn't often there at weekends. And one weekend, they said... You know, I said, I'm staying the weekend. And Steve said, oh, we'll go out riding bikes. Well, Lamar was a lot of sand. It's funny, quite, you know, it, it was quite firm, as I said. Um, so he said, let's go riding. So the whole of the, the, the track around the golf course and everything is all sand. So I had this bike, he had his bike. And he said, come on. He said, we'll have a ride around. So I'm popping along behind, you know, not even really thinking I'm with the great Steve McQueen, the great escape. You know, I mean, it's funny. You just sort of got used to him because he... He was, there was no pretense with him. He just wanted to be with us. He didn't want to be with the actors. He wanted to be a racing driver, and it was his dream to do what he was doing. And he had the best time in the world. 
Um, and it wasn't a job, it was his passion. And it was very rare, because I think most actors do something because they're paid a lot of money. Well, I read that he never wanted to be an actor. Oh, so when he became one, he didn't feel no, like no, he had no, to no, compete. If you talk, if you, we, we used to speak to him. I mean, I never actually said, you know, where did you learn to act, Steve, or anything like that. He said, if you asked him, he said, I don't act. He said, I'm just me. You know, that's why there was little dialogue in most of the, the stuff he did. But anyway, so we get up on the bikes and we're riding around. And, and, but what had happened, sorry, the reason that he wanted to take me out and be, do some crazy things was because Joe Sifford and I got him in a bit of a tight one through the White House. White House, very fast, right, left, yeah, this right, was, left. You guys were filming a scene That's right, for yeah, Le Mans. So, yeah. so yeah, so you got him sandwiched we between got him two sandwiched of your cars. And of course, we'd come up and they yeah. go, take... No, no, take five, take six, take seven. Yeah. And of course, I'd come up at different speeds. I mean, it wasn't much difference, but it'd be like, shall I, I'll, I, you know, I'll just, I'll give a good old lift off and I give less than a lift and the next lift. And then you'd go t 20 minutes later and then move all the cameras, then go and do it again. You didn't really remember what you'd done before. You just came up. And I came up with, oh, bugger, I'm going to, well, you always drove very quickly. And I came, to, and remember, I'm in a car, I'm in the Ferrari, which is the one I had driven at Spa, previous race, of all them all. So I am flying up the corner. Behind me is Steve, and behind that's Joe. So he's stuck. Yeah, he's yeah. stuck in the middle. Yeah. We come up there. You know, he, he, I don't think you even... I swear we... We must have gone down a gear. So down a gear, flat, about 140 mile an hour, through this right, left, around the house. And um, anyway, so, so there's so many stories from this corner. I'm getting them mixed up. So you come through, absolutely... Like this one lap, I thought, I'm really going to give it more this time because we've done about three in a row. It's time we got really out. And they're filming as we come through. So as we come steaming through, of course, I kept on it a bit harder. Steve kept on it harder. Joe did. We get to the end of the Port Ford chicana and we pull up there and Steve just leapt out of his car. His face was as white as a sheet, you know, because he had a face mask. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd open face on it. Yeah. And he squeaked. So John Sturgeon said, what's up, Steve? What the hell, man? What's up with you? He said, those bloody, those lunatics. He said, they took us through there flat out. So, 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 so John said, you did, boys? And we said, well, he didn't have to go. He didn't have to follow us. <laughs> he could have gone slower. So he said, I'll get you bastards back. But so for that reason, I always said he was a, he was a good driver. Yeah. yeah. And others. Yeah. So we get to go far forward another three weeks. I'm staying the weekend. Let's go riding bikes. This should be fun, you know. He had said, I'll get you back one day. So we're riding around bikes. And there's this great mound of, of sand up there. I don't know where, somewhere in the middle. And so, because I'd never ridden bikes out there before, and I'm getting used to it. I mean, you know, I'd ridden bicycles, and, you know, I mean, I was a sporty person, so I was okay. So I enjoyed this. So he goes, he says, hold on, wait there. And he goes storming out there, and he's husky up to the top, sort of disappears, comes back, he's all right. So he's up on the top of this lip, and I saw it. He said, go back a bit and get a run up. So I'm come flying up, up the valley, you know, you know, sort of standing on the back like this. Up I went, and then over the top. And there was just a drop down into, <laughs> yes. uh, into a dustbin dump. <laughs> garbage, garbage dump. And I mean, boy, I became a very good rider very, very quickly. <laughs> and I landed on the back wheel and just accelerated through all this. It was horrible French garbage. It's horrible. And, and I just, I, eventually I stopped and I turned around and he's on top there. And he's just folded up on his bike, roaring with laughter. Yeah. He knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. 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 Do you want one more quick one? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All day, every day. Yeah, all time. <coughs> the other one, but I mean, I've, everybody's told this. Probably everybody you've got there has heard this story before. But um, 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 we were going to the White House, and um, Steve, by this time, had been taken off being a 
you know, driving as much because I think it was the second half of the movie and right. they decided he should do more directing, which is really what he was meant to be doing. It was meant to be his film. <laughs> so there was just Seppi and I. And I remember Seppi, you know, was a factory Porsche driver and I was about to be without knowing it. I'm in the Ferrari at the White House. As you come up the White House, as I sort of explained, you come up and you, d you come all the way from Arnage, it's flat all the way through the cutting, down into this braking area, very light braking, down, down a gear, and then th right and then left around this house. And there's houses on the right and there's guardrail. But as you come out, there's a dotted line in the middle of the road as one would expect. But because of cars going through there for a couple of years, the, there's a runoff area to, out towards the guardrail. So the car would, you'd run onto this extra bit of road, which yeah. they had then tarmacked. Okay. Asphalted, I don't know what you call it. Right? They, there were no so, track limits. So one, one, yeah, so one's, the right-hand side of the white line has got much more room on it than on the left side, okay. if you follow me. Yeah. And so, anyway, we've done a few runs through, and the cameras are in different places. Suddenly come around the corner at 140 miles an hour, and there was cameraman there, cameraman there, that sort of thing. And we go to do this one lap, and we come flying there, Seppi and I come flying down. I go right, left, and as I go through the left, I'm drifting out. Yeah, taking would. all that runoff, yeah. Take, using the runoff, and there is a cameraman lying full length in the middle of the road holding the camera, face, facing us, obviously. And, of course, I could, I could see it, no problem. I passed by. Poor Seppi, unfortunately, was sort of, because the Porsche was always quicker, and he was obviously at that point quicker than me, too. He's looking to overtake. I mean, we, we try to make it as realistic as possible. And, of course, there were right-hand drive cars, so he would be happened to come out quite a long way to see if he could go by me on the exit because as I drifted out he would come out in a racing situation to do that anyway this is the cameraman in the row so we get down to the Ford chicane you know 500 yards later on and we get there and Joe leaps out of the car John says what's wrong he said there's a cameraman lying in the road I can't believe it he's bloody crazy I nearly killed him so uh, John says so so he calls up Steve, he says, Steve, come up here a minute. So Steve comes up on his husky. He says, what's up, John? He says, so, so, so he said, well, he said, Joe's absolutely freaking out here. He said, he comes through the corner, there's a bloody cameraman like, he, who the hell put the cameraman in the middle of the road? And Steve said, well, I put the camera in the middle of the road. She said, but you can't do that, it's too dangerous. These blokes could have run over him. He said, who was it? And Steve said, it was me. <laughs> and it was him lying in the middle of the road. In the middle of the road. Got to get the shot. Got to yeah. get the shot. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, I'm sure the studio would have loved to hear that. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I cared so much about it that he obviously wanted it to be as intense. And, yeah, absolutely. And real oh yeah. Because yeah. as we know, everyone at this table, that it never looks as fast on TV no. as it actually is. No, no, at exactly. all. No, so, no. But that movie, you watch it, and you can visually tell how fast things are going. That's it's a, right. It's really yes. good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's part about it. Gotcha. But I got burnt too. You see, as well in the movie. What scene was that? Because the Ferrari cut fire. Yeah, correct? that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. That the one where it goes into the wood. No, before that. Uh, another one. No, what, this they, it, it didn't make the movie. For it didn't make literally the movie. So you were just shooting scenes there was in the no Ferrari on fire. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, basically we were. Yeah, that. Oh yeah, that would be okay. the one. So they didn't turn the GoPro on, or <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. They yeah. ran out of okay. film. Yeah, they yeah. Back up. <laughs> no, they, what basically we were doing a shot. I mean, they shot the track from Arnage to the Ford Chicane. I mean, that's a third of the track was closed. That's a lot of guys. They shut it. No, yeah. Not many. We never saw a soul. They wow. just closed it. Okay. And it was astonishing. <coughs> and then, we, then, you know, there'd be another part of the track later in the day. I mean, it was astonishing. Anyway, we were doing a shot from Arnage down to the Ford Chicane, just Steve and I. And um, we overtook a camera car 
which was the GT40 with a roof off. So we would go buy it. So as we were doing it, we had to type. A lot of it was really lucky if you got it because you didn't know where he was going to be and radios were pretty good, but not that good. And you couldn't hear with the bloody engine running anyway. And literally you go and say, oh, I hope we, we, should, we should see the Ford somewhere because he obviously was substantially slower than us. But you're going to get a shot of the two cars overtaking with another car with a camera on it. So yeah. it was quite, yeah, you know, and it was stuff. a big camera. So it wasn't just a little Yeah, yeah if you see pictures of it, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. So, um, so anyway, we did, this sh we did the shot down to White House. And when I get down there, Steve says, come on. He says, typical Steve, he says, come on. He says, he says, he said, let's race back. And even at that Thank tender you. age of whatever it was, 31, I still was going, I don't yes. know, we should be doing it both ways, Steve, because if anyone's some bloody happy farmer, do you think? Right. But they do, they do it just to piss you off. I mean, it, <laughs> you know, they've come out with a farm tractor and a load of sheep, and they go, oh, thanks a lot, just what we needed, you know. So anyway, he, I said, Steve, and we unfortunately, so he said, he says, okay, let's go back now. He said, let's really have a go at it. I said, I can't, Steve, because I can't. The clutch has quit on the car. Did you just said to say? Thumb? Did you just said it to say that? So he no, I did it. It was true. Okay. So, um, so he said, yeah, and we were going the other way, so you weren't going to go crazy because you weren't. And I could go quicker, Steve, anyway. So you know what I mean? It wasn't... I just did, it was just that silly to risk things unless you had to but the, I would have gone with it if I'd had the clutch <laughs> I would have yeah. I would have been peer pressure yeah so uh, anyway we leave I'm, Steve goes off I said I'll make me up. So, somehow, so I managed I'm not quite sure how I did it but I sort of started it in gear and let the clutch out oh well I didn't have a clutch but I sort of junked it into gear whatever it was and it picked up and off I went so I'm driving back but of course obviously I was not, didn't want to clunk the gearbox, so I was taking it gently as I could. Came back round, round Indianapolis to go round the long left-hander that takes you back, back, back to Mulzahn Corner. And um, as I'm going along, suddenly, um, again, fortunately not too hard, probably at 50 miles an hour or something, suddenly the car explodes, sort of explodes, like bop, this big bop from the left side comes up into my face, and I've got open helmet, face mask to here. And um, of course this flame licks up, well, Hopefully you've never had to put out with a fire, but you know, it's unbelievable how long it takes to stop the car. You're doing 50 miles an hour. You put your foot on the brakes, you go, oh God, God, bloody hell, fire extinguisher. You're trying to, every time you go to stop it, bloody thing keeps rolling because there's no handbrake. So the only thing to do is just put it into neutral and actually lap it into first gear, you know, really, or second, and just let it sit, stop. But you don't, the presence of mind isn't there, and you honestly don't have that sort of time. Then you had to undo a slatcher. To undo the belts, the latch at the top of the door, and then you had to pull the strap on the door and then lift it forward. There was what, yeah. And then you realize you hadn't stopped. So then you put your foot back on it. Anyway, I leapt out. As I leapt out, sort of, sort of got out of the car and I went, oh my God. And I know, first of all, I, some, somebody, uh, some peasant appears out of the forest, as happens on rallies, you know, and you go, oh. I said, uh, fire truck? No, a fire truck, and the guy, ah, oh, fire, fire, you know. So, and then I went, ooh, and my face had all tightened up down here. And I went, ambulance, OC, you know, like that. So anyway, the next thing is the ambulance turns up and it's Sister Bridget who works on the movie. She's an Iris, you know, nun. And she's all in her robes and blue and stuff and that sort of thing. This bloody old blue Renault van, you know, ambulance turns up. Okay, my dear, and I, I mean, I was just sore. I wouldn't, you know, I, mean, I wasn't showing but it wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't want to look. And so anyway, the ambulance turns up and so she says, come here, my dear, and I had to drop my trousers, and she thrusts, you know, a needle up my bum. 
uh, into my bum rather than up. I was like, wow. Yeah, thanks a lot. And um, so with that, she said, lie down, dear, lie down. So I lay down on the bunk inside, inside the stretcher inside, you know. And then she goes, and she knocks, she goes, and she goes, on driver, you know, on the, door, on the panel. And the driver, of course, in usual French way, he's in a hurry because he hasn't worked for, probably for two months because he's been on a movie. And so he lets the clutch out and this bloody thing lurches forward and my stretcher oh. went straight out, hit, <laughs> shoots down the runner, hits the back door and the doors burst open. No way. I kid you not, absolutely dead, absolutely. And, and, and of course, he then hears the din. Yes. He oh pulls no. the brake on <laughs> back inside, but it, it happened like that. But by then I knew what was happening, so I sort of did slow the movement. Right, right. Anyway, then they got me to the hospital and that was it. But that was, that was a little bit of humor. But, I mean, Steve came to the hospital to check me out, and then that, that was like on a Tuesday. And on the f Friday, I was testing in Sicily in a Formula 2 race, right. yeah. the middle of Enna up by the Mount Etna, you know, in the volcanic dust and yeah, right, in my right, Formula right. 2 car. That's, anyway. That's two calamity ambulance stories in two episodes. Yeah, within, within uh, 24 hours. Are we, are we not straying from anything you wanted to talk about? There is no agenda. This is literally how it Actually, works. So, uh, yeah, because we, we, do, like, we don't do chronology. We don't do sort of like, so then tell me about win number two. Like, that's not, that's no, just not no, our style. That, no, you said that to me. I, yeah. I appreciate that. Um, I what, just wonder how the hell you sort this lot out. Yeah, what? Oh, that's, that's uh, our poor editor. Um, one thing I was always curious about, like if you if you read all the the articles and the bios and whatnot, you know, there's a the story's been told a bunch about your stepfather kind of stepping in, helping yes. kind of fund your early days. We all oh, hear definitely. about church yeah. farm racing. That's right. Yeah. Um, and apparently, you took a loan against the property that he was okay with. That's right. Well, um, he did it with me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah Ten thousand pounds. So, but but my question is, why did he? Not a, okay. Yeah, you're his stepson. He cares about you. But like, was he a race fan? Did you guys grow yeah, up totally a racing family? Yeah, totally. Okay. Yeah, he had four daughters. Oh, basically. okay. That, so he was just thrilled that he could <laughs> yeah, do guy yeah, stuff. Yeah, he, he, the old okay. man. I mean, I became a farmer, and um, in '66, uh, but, but, but before that, of course. Yeah. I would wanted to start racing, and so I was trying to get, you know, trying to find sponsorship and that right. sort of thing. It was bloody impossible. Right. The only thing I got the whole time for sponsorship was uh, I wrote to Avis. It was the 1967, 68. It was the beginning of sponsorship. Yeah. And I remember I literally put. Um, I uh, I wrote to Avis and they came back with sorry can't help you but you know but you know good luck and they sent back a badge with we try harder on it <laughs> <laughs> that was it that's all I got in all my right. sponsorship seeking so and uh, I remember the old man walked in the office because he financed I financed the first year that my, my Lotus 7 I mean I did that on my own with my pal okay and at the end of the year we sold the Lotus and uh, you know, we got 600 quid back, which is what it cost us. And we got 300 quid each. That okay. never happens in racing, so no, yeah. he yeah. went yeah. off. That's the first yeah, win. He, but he yeah. was so clever. He was so good, John. Yeah. He knew exactly. I would have planned yeah. So we got 300 quid back. That was it. Three. <coughs> so we went into Formula 3, but of course we went in in a very low level, as you would expect. Sure. Yeah. Like everything. Oh, we need a new engine, then we need new this. But by then you've gone and spent twice as much as you should have done. Yeah. So racing? the first year we had some... We built the car. We used a Lotus 31. And I did actually take Jackie Stewart's lap record at Goodwood with it. So we were quite pleased about because he'd moved on up to Formula 1 by then. But the record he had set the year before, I broke the record the next year in an identical car. So we so again, we had a little wink that, you know, maybe we were quite good between us, the car and me. And But um, anyway, and so anyway, the end of the year, we thought we've got to get out of here. We've got to go up into a, a new car. And it was at that point the old man stepfather said to me, 
he said, you know, you can always come back to farming age 40, but you can't come back to racing. Why didn't you just quit? So we, we do a pass-along question. Get that out of the way. Um, so last night we had dinner with Don Garlitz, Big Daddy Don Garlitz. And uh, his question for you, which is kind of funny for us based on the oval stuff, but why didn't you try to take your, ta your talents to oval racing? Uh, because uh, basically I didn't have to learn. I was already learned. You're already good. <laughs> You're already set. Yeah, I was set. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that really is it. Because I remember the, the, at the end of that IROC stuff, uh, they were saying to me, you should come and, you know, why didn't you come and drive with us? Because we'd like to have you on, you know, because you'll be good for motor racing in NASCAR. Wait, so they, they were trying to give you, who was trying to put you in NASCAR? Uh, well, Coach Richter, you know, people oh, okay. within NASCAR. Oh, they were just recommending yeah. you come out. Yeah, they, they, they said, we need you in NASCAR. You're the okay. sort of driver we need for personality and all the rest oh, of it. Oh, okay. So it's very kind of you, but and then I sat back and I went, <coughs> and I think that last race that I told you about, I sat on the grid and went, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. <laughs> Every other race I've done in my life, I've sort of known what I, is going to happen. It never crossed my mind what's going to happen at the first, second, third corner. I knew what I what gear what I had to do, and I just hadn't got down to it. And why do I? Ha and then and then it's rather rather like I was asked to go back and drive to for Jaguars with the Jaguar program with Tom Walkinshaw at one stage, not here. And, and, and I went, you know, I'm British, all right, that'll be lovely. And I used to bitch and moan because driving for Porsche, I didn't get any publicity in the press in England because I was driving for a German team. And I got a letter from the head of JAG saying, during that hectic time with the 962s and the Group C, would you come, before I sort of came here, would you, um, come? well, I've been here, but I was not set up with Al by then. And I thought, you know, by now, remember, it was, I was now 42 or three. Did I really need to go back and become a development driver again. I'm happy to do development, but do I want to really go back and start a program all over again? I've done all that before, 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 and then with Porsche, there I am with the, the best team in the world, winning races wherever we go, and I'm about to go to America. What the hell do I want to go back? And in fact, without realizing it, worked for Tom Walkinshaw, who couldn't give a shit about Derek Bell anyway, because the only person he liked was Martin Brundle. And I didn't know all that. I mean, I'd have been finished years ago. I'd done what... But, you know, your gut feeling was do what you do best. And that was why I didn't do NASCAR. Yeah. Tomorrow we're going to have dinner with Terry Earwood. Are you familiar with Terry? I know the name. Okay, very yeah, well, I, figured, yes. I figured you would. I don't know Terry that well. So what does Terry do then? He was the chief instructor at the Skip Barber Racing School oh, yes, for you said that. forever. Yeah, okay, that's um, what I that's read. That's pretty much his big thing, that and a lot of coaching. and. Yeah, uh, yeah so in other words, is. Um, I would, I, the question always intrigues me because I always get, when I think about driving instructors, because I don't necessarily rate driving instructors very highly. You know, generally racing instructors very highly. You won. Uh, I mean, not now. No, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Things are going really yeah, but well. Yeah, how, but how many get out of and become racers? Oh, no, no. no. Yeah, no and it's so, very hard. Um, my, I actually started Porsche racing, Porsche driving schools in America in 1980-something mid-80s with Kenny Fengler because I was brought out here for the Porsche Club to present some awards in Gold Coast region and uh, they said all, and we did it at um, up, up down at the Hilton PGA Boulevard in November and they said oh tomorrow we're at the track at Moroso would you come along and give some tips and I did and from that I went to see I, the head of Porsche then was Peter Schutz worldwide and Peter said to me because we'd it was in the period I won a couple of Le Mans, and he said to me after a race one day, he said, is there anything we should be doing in America that you think you could help us with and give us some advice? So I said, so I called him up after I'd done this thing, which is like a month later, and I said, why don't, have you thought about driving school? 
he said come and see us so I went to Stuttgart because I was in Europe living in Europe then so I went to Stuttgart and saw him and I said uh, I said I think you should be doing a driving school he said well actually we've looked into it what do you think and I told him unfortunately I had Ken Fengler who lives just down the road here at Fort Lauderdale I worked with him all the way through and Kenny is brilliant at organizing events and driving day all the stuff he's one of the best doesn't suffer idiots you know I mean gets on with the job and calls a spade a spade which you have to and because uh, he's the one that brought me out here from England and so we we put together a proposal went saw Porsche and they said let's do it so we ran the very first Porsche but we we ran at different tracks we took up we took sort of all these boxes and we went we went to Sebring we went to Daytona we went to Seattle we went to Portland we went to Sears Point we went to Laguna Seca we went to Bridgehampton Jimmy went around so we each month we went to a different place and we had the best fun and we had you know we had um, I mean Justin ended up becoming an, uh, one of the instructors but he was very young at it but the people didn't come to be racing drivers they came with their own cars so we taught them to drive their own cars better and that's what we did so it, it didn't cost Porsche much because they didn't have to bring any cars these people brought their own cars oh, so sort we of drove like them in their cars okay. and we did it for two years anyway that was enough said about that but, <laughs> but um, and then um, but, but I just feel that I was never—I I never was given instruction. In my, well, I suppose I did. I went to Jim. So Russell. So you went to Jim Russell, right? Yeah. yeah. But of course, he didn't. They didn't tell me anything. Yeah. Cool. They you brought your own car and yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, no. In that case, thank you. No, in that case, it was their car. Thank oh, was there? Okay. Oh yeah. But I, getting back to Jim very, very briefly. I mean, he—he he was a racing driver, who had a, a record. He raced race kids, you know, Sterling Moss and people. I respected him. He was bloody good. And if he said something to you, but he, he would go out and watch you in the corners and that sort of thing. He never rode in a car with us because he couldn't. They were single seaters. And I enjoyed that. So you might say, well, what help did he give you? And to this day, I couldn't tell you. All I know is that driving school, because it was a racing school. It wasn't just a, you know, come and have a ride for the morning. Um, it was the fact that I learned discipline. And it worries me that the driving kids don't get enough discipline in driving schools. I'm not saying if they do the course properly. I'm sure they do. But I was still because suddenly so many people young drivers and again don't be offended <laughs> they come along they're having not really done much except for a part of their own driving school not done it i don't mean their own their own course on a course they've not done much racing and um whereas i had you know at this point i'd won Le Mans a couple of times and so on and so i still believe that i was quite good i didn't know if i was really good at passing it on but a lot of people don't want to pass the information on and I was undecided just how good an instructor should be until one day, um, taking a long time to tell you this, but I, we went skiing at Beaver Creek and it was, it was a, called the, the Gerald Ford Ski Classic. And uh, there were the professional skiers and people from other sports. And um, suddenly, uh, halfway down one run, we, I've skied since I was 13, so I'm moderately good. And up came, who was it? Frank Weber, was it? Yeah, Franz Weber, who held the record downhill. And Franz Weber skied up with us and he said, hey boys, can I ski down with you? So he said, yeah, sure, sure. you really want to? Yeah, sure. So we skied at the bottom and we say, okay then Franz, see you later. And he says, can I, can I come up with you again and we'll do another run? We went, sure, <laughs> I really think you're going to learn something. <laughs> so we go back up to the top of the run and um, get out the, the, the ski lift. And he says, Derek, sit on the back of my skis and don't move and just follow me down. And I followed one of the best skiers in the world down. And I went, what a flaming difference between him and a ski instructor. And that made me realize that when I show you how to drive, 
you would pick up something from me because I'm a natural. Yeah. Okay. I didn't think it for years, but I guess I has to be. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's true. And, I, and so I've got something that I could help you with. Yeah, sure. And, you know, I, I wouldn't know about you because I honestly don't know, but I, I bet if I went with I'm you, sure I could, you could show you I'm something. I'm sure you could teach me something right Seriously. now. I'm, I'm, I'm serious, too. Yeah. You're Derek Bell. Yeah. No, <laughs> I don't mean that. Like anybody of my ability. But I do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And you can also pass it on. But unless... But I saw it, right? I saw the be one of the best skis in the world show me down. I went, oh, my God, that's so, it's so natural. And what we don't, and you get all these guys come on these courses. I meet them all the time, as you have done. And they go and they say, oh, I read this book and I was watching this video. And you're going, you don't need any books or any videos. Just get out and drive. <laughs> Am I right? I mean, it's all about the driving, isn't it? But I'm still going to help your Terry Yearwood question. Yeah, I'd like to ask him. I'd like to ask him how often he f comes across a driver that has natural talent. Okay. That's a very fair question. So uh, you mentioned your, your Jaguar program with uh, Walkinshaw that you, you turned away from. Mm. It's a common thing with our, like, again, everybody knows your stories. Uh, so we're always looking for something that maybe people don't know. Jaguar is, is a, a pretty cool one. Is there anything that we don't know that you turned down? Um, good question. I took everything I could. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still trying to catch up, actually. Um, <coughs> I don't. Um, no, I don't think I did, really. Yeah. That's how it did. Yes. Uh, I, I think the only thing I did turn down was in Formula 3. And I, if I'd stayed, I'd have gone in for a, 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 a good third year of Formula 3. Yeah. And if you stuck with Formula 3... If you, if you stayed, you're going to stay there forever. There was a great driver okay. ahead of me called Roy Pike, a Californian guy. Yeah. He was so bloody quick. But he stayed. And he's, he's now selling antiques in Dorset. Oh, you okay. know what I mean? And Roy was so good. And he beat us all that first year. Yeah. And the second year, I'm up in a similar car and I'm pushing him. And, the third, and I moved on out. And he just stayed. Yeah. And, and you've got to keep moving. You've got to keep graduating. Yeah. yeah. And you've got to... I think you... In the perfect world, you should do two years. One year to learn the ropes, the car, the tracks. As at that age, you don't yeah. need to do it when you're 50 years, 40 yeah. years old. But right. And um, and you know, and then move on. Yes. Yeah. And I, 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 we did that wrong with Justin, my son Justin. We should have kept him a bit longer in the f formula before he moved. Yeah. Because the first year you're learning, the second year, because he raced against Alan McNish and Mika Hakkinen. You know, and the, they were the three top guys. Yeah, and they're pretty good all the time, and they were good. <laughs> yeah, and even he beat them at one or two occasions. But yeah. uh, he should have stayed. You know, he needed longer in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll actually probably see. Ju we're gonna we're we're gonna be in Florida for another day or two, and then we're headed headed west. Uh, we're gonna see Justin in, in about a week in California, maybe. Okay. And yeah. uh, what you don't we we don't have to name you. What anonymous story can we tell him that'll just make him upset? Or like, can we ask him about some embarrassing, uh, like like a house party that you always knew about? Like he peed his bed. Oh yes, yeah. no, last year. No, what you can get at him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Girls. Oh, oh girls. Oh, girl. oh okay. honey, I hadn't thought of that. I'm so glad you came along, honey. Good story. There we go. Yeah. Now, yeah. What? Just give us a name, and that's all we'll say. No, yeah. well, you, you were told you to could, ask about. Could, I was going. I was just going to say. Um, what what was he doing? <laughs> um, what 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 was he doing before he started racing? And he, and he and he'll tell you. You know <laughs> what was he studying? Okay. 
and um, and and you can say we gather we gather you had your own little studio and see what he says. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, you want more than that? I mean, please, by all means. Yeah, like. Well, I am. Well, when we're talking about girls, we're going way back, though. Yeah, we were talking about, about, about nineteen-year-old yeah. Justin when he had a studio. Okay. okay. No, it's when he was like. Oh, yeah, okay. Justin Bell. Yeah, no, he, 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 he loved art, and so my studio, our studio, and our, in our above the garage in England, you know, was his studio where he did his art. Okay. And to this day, there's the most incredible sort of painting on a door as high as, that, high as a door of this yeah. girl's figure, you know, with nothing on it. <laughs> but, it's like through a, but it's like through a blind. Yes. Okay. So yes, it's like, a, yeah. like you're peeping in on somebody yeah, it's and it's a silhouette. So he's, okay. so he's actually artistic. Oh, he's... Yeah. Oh. Why does yeah, he do that? The and main then, picture in our house yeah, here it's beautiful, is six yeah. feet tall and four feet wide and it's like... I had no idea. Dozens yeah. of... Okay. Oh, he's so he's, a, he's an amazing artist. artist. He's a good artist. At yeah. 15, it was maybe also a good yeah. excuse. Yeah, no, it was yeah. very good. He okay. had to, no, he had some fine... There was some fine little uh, studio. Ask him and say, a, say we understood you... You can, uh, say we, you can also mention a boat. Say, we understand you had a little boat. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. Glad yeah. we came. Like yeah. I said, it was a man cage. It had lots okay. of cushions in it. <laughs> On the second floor. Shag carpeting. Shag carpeting. And... Yeah, we're talking talking about that. Ask him what... Said you you went off the road one day. How did that come about? <laughs> All right. Well, he'll, I know he'll never stories. he'll never be able to answer that on the radio. You'll have to cut that one out. <laughs> Do one. He's gonna know they that we're talking. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. He will. Well, yeah. They just say dad. Dad says and he said and you know did you did you have any accidents in those early days on the road? Okay. And how did that happen? Okay. So my dad worked with a lot of sports car teams back in the day. Built the JLP cars with uh, John Paul Senior. Yeah, he worked with you at Bob Aiken for a short period of time. Yeah, on the Coke stuff. But I never got to meet Al Holbert because uh, I, you know, I'm, I was born in '83. Yeah, you know. Oh bloody hell! Uh, and I'm probably one of the <laughs> last five years old little bastard. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So could you speak to his legacy for those that never got to see him, but we all know all about him? You know, um, as yeah, I mean. And it's not because you're sitting there. I said it at Rensport the other day, and they were talking about Jackie Ix and Hans Stuck and Stefan Belloff. But basically, Al was the best all-round driver I ever drove with. Wow! Oh yeah, without a doubt. Uh, firstly, and you he, say that without the asterisk of like for a gentleman, gentleman driver. driver yeah, no, no bollocks to yeah. that. No, yeah. no, no, no. I mean, he was he was equally as quick as me. But not only that is that he he was um, you know, he ran his own team. He ran his own business. He uh, developed. He was a great development engineer uh, with his uh, with his with with Kevin Duran or whoever he was with him, and also with his. Uh, I mean, as a test driver, he was second to none. And he. I mean, I, I was laughing with Kevin last week because I drove it, you know, at Rensport, and I just. I was laughing with him so much, and I, I said, I can remember, I said, I remember when I came from the Rossman, you know, Rossman's team, everybody in America thought, oh, right, well, this guy Bell's going to tell us how to set 962s up. They had a crap. I mean, there were, I, I, I knew I had a great idea what they should feel like, but, you know, I had German engineers, and they would write it all down in German, talk in German, and I didn't speak German, so I was up the gum tree, really. And when I came to America, I thought, right, now I'm with Al Holbert, who's got this reputation, and Kevin. I'm going to listen to what they have to say. And I was telling Kevin this two weeks ago. And I said, so the first two times we went testing or wherever it was, 
I'd be there listening on the headset to what they were talking about and Kevin would write stuff down and then they'd do this and what do you say Kevin oh, oh, what you, oh. and you could see that Kevin getting very he's got this short fuse and he was getting fed up with me asking Dan uh, we're, we're both familiar I've been yelled at by yeah. Kevin Dorn yeah. 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 <laughs> so he so he loses his, his you know, he, 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 I just got fed up with waiting and after of wait, not waiting, I'm fed up of asking questions. So it was pointless. So I just said, I'll bugger it, I'll just get and drive. So, you know, I'd wait all day for him to set the car up, get in and probably go quicker than he did. And that was it, you know. And, but I mean, I'm not saying that I was, but I, he was very good. He analyzed my driving, which I'd nobody had ever done before. Um, and I don't know how he knew it because he must have gone to corners to watch me sometimes. And, uh, because I was, I um, I was better with tyres than he was, and he was better with fuel. Although I was good with fuel in the Rothmans cars, but we turned them a little differently. But, <laughs> but, um, I, and I said to Al, I said, "What do you mean? I'm I drive differently to you?" And he said, "You come up to a corner and you set it, and I'll come up to a corner and." and Again, why did I do that? Nobody ever showed me, and I don't know why I did it. I guess it was the fact that I, I'd come up to a corner, and of course you had a turbo, and you had lock differential. Well, we did in Europe, whereas we didn't here. So I'd come up to a corner, and if you just literally turned into the corner, the car would understeer, push out. So with the cars in Europe, you had to literally come up, and you had to, so I'd come off the brakes. This is the way I try and tell everybody to drive, and the, all this going in the corner, and it's changed now. It's, I totally accept it. But I'd come and do everything in a straight line, so you get maximum brakes, maximum efficiency. Literally, come off the brakes, and as you come off, the front will come up, and at that split second, you hit the wheel and you hit the gas. You know, not, but not, but that's it. And as soon as you do that, the car turns, so the car is not there anymore, going that burying the nose in. It's done that, and then it's done that, and I've turned in, and I'm there, and Al's there. And that would be where he was, and I'm already coming out the corner. So I have less cornering to do, mm -hmm. and I can get on the power sooner because I'm not going to push out. And that was when you had turbo lag. That's right. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, you so had to drive earlier the better. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and sure. of course, in the beginning, we had sho shocking turbo lag. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, that. <coughs> that but you know, I, I wouldn't say I, I, I learned. To, I just learned calmness through him. He was so calm. He, I mean, he had a, he had a, he was moody, but then he had every right to be. Really? I've, he never, I've never heard that about him. Yeah, he was a bit moody. Yeah. But um, but it was because he wanted the job done properly. Sure. And I mean, he had this fa famous saying or favourite saying. You know, we talk. I say, do you remember? I mean, last week, oh, we had that. Pro he said, we're not talking about last week anymore. The, the race finished last night. The clock goes back to zero, and all we do is talk about the next one. Hmm. And that was fair comment. Yeah. But no, you do. The yeah, nonetheless, it was a good way to look. But in fact, you do need to. to you do need to. Uh, understand yeah. what went wrong last week if it went wrong to be able to, to be able to prove it, it for yeah. next week but uh, no he all he was just he was the best i mean he ran his own the business the family business he ran porsche cars north america competitions right he um he ran the <coughs> indycar team i think i'm right in saying he developed the car he and drove the car and ran the team as well and um and then that the day he passed away he he had a plane crash. He literally, we were, I wonder what we were going to do the next year because by then we were getting well beaten by Jaguars and Nissans and everything. And he spoke to Porsche <coughs> and he said, uh, we need a new car. It wasn't just like over a cup of coffee or something they discussed. And they said, it's cost too much. It's going to cost us 16 million to build a new car. Wow, in the 80s. 
Yeah, and, yeah. I, and Al said, I'll do one for 1 1.6. <laughs> right. So, because he already had it designed in his own mind. And it was going to be an interim car. And he took me out the back at Columbus that day because I was driving that day. I don't know if Chip was driving. And Al was going to come back and drive with me the next day. So I've done qualifying that day. He was going to come back for the next. And um, he said to me during the day, he said, I want you to come and look at this. And he took me into the back of a shed. And there was this box of sight a bit bigger than this table. And he took the lid off and inside was a model car. He said, that's the car you and I are going to race next year. I mean, of course, he died that night. So that was the end of that. Where did, where did that car go? Uh, well, it wasn't a full car. It was a model. Right, but where's, right, the, where's, the, where's the, the model? I have no idea. Wow. That's yeah. a piece of history to, to search. What's up? Got to go? Are we short on time? Is it time to go? What time we got to be there? Nine o'clock. Ten o'clock. We have to go then. Okay, can we, can <laughs> we do that? Uh, yeah, well, so let's, we let's take three minutes to wrap this up. Yeah, we yeah. do a quick outro and then okay, an intro. Yeah, okay. uh, real, yeah, real quick, just because I feel like... Well, you're all right with that. <laughs> yeah, you, no, you can no. do what you oh, want. God. Yeah, like, yeah, we're fine. Um, <laughs> we know where you live. Her mother's coming. Her house got blown down in the house. Oh, yeah. That's what you're saying. You're going to give us the old mother hurricane bit? Okay. You can just say it and have a good time. So one minute or less, you drove with, for lack of a better expression, the greatest gentleman driver of all time. I know you hate that expression. But how, between you or Al Holbert, what do you think of driver rankings? Of driver what? Driver rankings. Are you familiar with the driver rankings no. in IMSA? No. Oh, you've never even heard of it. Oh, thank oh, we're not, okay. Good we don't have you. time to ruin your day. <laughs> Good okay. you. Oh, God. Yeah, my it's, they do that. It's yeah. Ask Justin next time you talk to him about what driver rankings are. It's uh, the most complicated. But, but, oh, it's not that thing with gold drivers. Yes. And, okay. Oh, what okay. a load of crap. Boom. So at no point you oh, ever heard. I'm sorry. You go to races to watch the best drivers drive. What a Isn't thought. Isn't that what it's about? What a thought. It's like us. It's like when I was a, at Porsche. All those, I could tell you so many stories on Porsche. We could go on another night. But if ever you come back, we will. Um, but, you know, I mean, you haven't gone through Group C, really. I mean, they used to come up. And I had to put, you know, trying to win the World Championship two years in a row and a Manufacturers Championship with bloody PDK, ABS, Motronic Injection, all that you know, and all I wanted to do, and I kept saying, but I'm a racing driver. We're racing drivers. All we want to do is race. We don't have to go, oh, God, what am I? I mean, what is the point? You risk your bloody life for another bloke to go out and lose five seconds a lap, <laughs> if I'm right in thinking that's correct. So uh, right, you've got to give these guys a chance, but then let them start at the bottom and graft their way up. Well, at, at any point did, uh, you know, like Moretti or, in this case, Al Holbert, were they, were they saying, like, well, that's not fair. They have Ix and Stuck in one car, and it's me and, and you, and I'm not one of them. Did they, any of them ever say that? Like, those drivers are too good and no, I'm no, paying to no, be no, here? No, not really. Interesting. Not really. Okay. Because right. they all had the chance to have a good driver. Oh. Oh. You see, but it was a slightly different thing to what you're talking about now, which is a rule. I mean, Bob Aiken based knew, on people complaining. I mean, every race I did with Bob, that was me and him, basically every race Stuckey did, he did with Bob apart from, but by then Bob was retiring. Mm -hmm. He was quitting it really in my ear. Sure. But Bob didn't show up and go, well, that's not fair. Yeah. I got to race against those two. Yeah. He just no. raced. Yeah, yeah. It was like a race car driver. Yeah, yeah. Other yeah. thought. Yeah. All right. We well, need to let you go. I'm sorry, you guys. Go. No. <laughs> but it, <laughs> you don't need to apologize, sir. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, we got to get going, too, though, uh, because uh, Tony Stewart's been driving us around the country. So yeah. he's waiting in the car right now. We got we just ordered a suit to go. So yeah. Tony Stewart? Yeah. Yeah, he's driving the, the car right now. No, the out. Tony Stewart. He's on the car. Yeah, he's retired. Yeah. He's got nothing better to do. You're bloody winding me out. You're such a load <laughs> of bloody liars. All well, right, Continental has got the check. Hey, thanks, Derek Bell. Yeah, I love that guy. Just everything I'd hope out of him, you know, interesting stories about IROC. And obviously, you know, Justin's a buddy of ours. So getting to meet up with his dad and kind of see him as a different person than just the race car driver. Very unique. Yeah. 
And once again, you guys are the best, the listeners. Thank you so much. Keep buying Continental Tires. Keep tweeting them, sending those messages to them. It's been really helpful. We've had a lot of conversations about making the show bigger and better, and that's because of the products that you guys have been buying, not only with Continental, but also with Acura. So other thing we're working on here, Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. If anyone knows Sam Elliott, the actor, we're trying to get a hold of him. We'd love to have dinner or lunch or breakfast. We'd love to just, like, cut wood with him or something. And we're just seeing if our fan base is strong enough to be able to make that happen. So figure out if there's a way you guys can help us help us by meeting Sam Elliott. Here's some music. This is Judas Booth. They are available on SoundCloud. This is Deciduous. Also, Steve Willis and some guy named John. I hope you enjoyed Derek Bell. Thank you for suggesting.